This is Roberta Foster, and welcome to today's edition of the Author's Corner, brought to you by KNEO 91.7 FM, The Word. And today I welcome Rousseau Brassier to Author's Corner. He has written the book, The Good News of Christmas, which is published by Harvest House Publishers. And he'll tell you more about how to find the book at the end of the program. A little bit about Rousseau. He and his wife live in the small southern Oregon community where he and his seven siblings were born and raised. Rousseau is a pastor as well as a storyteller for the youngsters in the church. He finds his fullest joy in sharing the love of Jesus and helping others in the journey of discipleship. And he also loves to spread holiday cheer and live in the spirit of Christmas all year round. Rousseau, thank you so much for being with us today. It is such a delight and honor. Thank you so much for inviting me on your show. Yes, sir. Well, this is the Christmas season, and so we love different ways of sharing the good news of Christmas. And so why don't you tell us a little bit about how you uh, were compelled to retell the story that we're very familiar with, but in a very different way through poetry. Actually happened with Harvest House reaching out to me and asking if it would be possible for me to rewrite this story and put it into rhyme and poetry. I had done a similar project with John Bunyan's uh, Pilgrim's Progress, and um, based on, on their uh, delight in that book, they asked if I would do the same thing for the Christmas story, and I was just absolutely uh, excited to and happy to be a part of it. So I just basically weaved together Matthew and Luke and John's accounts, and um, it turned out splendidly. I was really delighted with how it turned out. You commented in the media information that there is an often overlooked part of the tale of the nativity that we don't always pick up on, and what might that be? Yeah, I think the most overlooked part of this tale is maybe just the pain and grief that Jesus was born into, because we see his, his birth and nativity so beautifully portrayed in pictures and paintings. Mm-hmm. Um, we often think it was a sweet and serene scene, but... Um, you know, even our Christmas carols paint that rosy picture of the scene, you know, the little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes, mm. or silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, sleep in heavenly peace. And I like those songs, but um, I don't think they capture the, uh, maybe even, the, the, maybe it's too strong of a word, but the trauma that he was born into, mm. you know, not to be too graphic or overstate my case, but Matthew tells us that after the birth of Jesus, um, you know, King Herod slaughtered uh, who knows how many Bethlehemite, uh, right. Bethlehemite children, and that sounds um, like, you know, just the, the pervasive evil in the world that Jesus was born into, you know, it was it was serious. They were fleeing for their lives from the start, and so uh, that doesn't often get uh, the attention that it should, I think. Well, and you're so right. Uh, we dwell on the wonderful fact that because of his birth, we have new life and went through faith in Christ and overlook so many of the details that he grew up in um, and even the result of the fact that he was born. As you mentioned, the uh, thousands of little children that were killed because the king wanted to eliminate the newborn king. Mm-hmm. It, it, that's what makes him such a, you know, a suitable high priest for us is that he himself has suffered in so many ways. He can relate to our human experience. And that's one of the great things about Jesus is he gives us comfort because he himself has scars. He's Mm. been through the whole array of human emotions, and and I love that about him. 
Well, you are a storyteller, and so what is it that makes us telling stories such a powerful teaching tool? I absolutely uh, believe that, that the stories that children are given, they shape the stories that children will live in, that the stories young children believe set the limits to what they can achieve, and that the stories that children are told set the stage for how their stories unfold. And the reason why this is, is because God has hardwired our minds to try to make sense of the world around us. You know, we see a, a child crying, and we the first question we ask is, what happened? Uh, that simple question, what happened, means, tell me the story. I want to understand everything mm. about this situation. And it's a question that children ask. It's a, it's a question that we all ask. So storytelling is a powerful tool because it allows us to time travel and learn from history. It, it's a tool to build character as well as we see ourselves more clearly, the good, the bad, and the ugly in the different characters and the stories that we read. Um, in fact, I work at a church in Ashland, Oregon called The Story, um, and my brother planted the church and named it The Story because we believe that every human being has a story worth telling, and that the story of Jesus, or the gospel as we call it, is is the only story that connects each of our individual stories mm -hmm. to the story of God, the story of redemption, the story of human history that's been unfolding since the Garden of Eden. So that's why I believe stories are so powerful and are such an effective teaching tool. One of the things that I recall from years ago in my own life, uh, I spoke to a little child while I was doing my job with the Postal Service, and it was during the Christmas season, and I said something about, do you know who Jesus is? And they did not. And now this was, mm. this was almost 30 years ago. But I think the beauty of your book will be eye-catching and uh, an opportunity for all little children to be told a story that hopefully will leave such an impact that they will then be looking for their Savior. Amen. I so hope so as well. I tried to be as faithful as possible to the text of Scripture and putting it in that rhyme and, and, and poetry. I didn't take too much poetic license. I just wanted to make the truth of what Matthew and Luke and John had gathered from eyewitnesses as easily conveyed as possible. So I hope it really does introduce lots of kids to the truth of the gospel and to Jesus. Well, we have more to talk about with Rousseau Brasseur regarding the book, The Good News of Christmas, which is published by Harvest House Publishers. And you're listening to Author's Corner. I'm Roberta Foster. So you mentioned poetry. Was that a difficult uh, process for you to be able to tell the story of Jesus in a poetic form? It actually is kind of second nature to me at this point. I, I first got into poetry and interested in poetry through hymnody. It was about 12 years ago. I remember hearing the old hymn, Before the Throne of God Above, and I just bawled my eyes out when I heard that. And I realized in that moment the power of combining biblical truth with beautiful words. Mm. You know, it was theology packed into poetry. And at that point in my life, I began writing my own hymns and imitating the old hymn writers and just pulling from the scriptures and, and trying to put the biblical truths in the most beautifully worded way possible. And, um, and so that's something I've been doing for a long time. And, and this project came out fairly quickly compared to other writing projects. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of practice, you know, in that has, has made it an easier project to work on. And uh, my, I love poetry. One of my pastors said recently that poetry 
is a higher form of art than prose because it mm-hmm. speaks to feeling and intellect at the same time. Mm. Poetry speaks through intuition into cognition. So we actually, you know, we feel what we're learning wow. more than just getting it into our brains. We get it into our hearts through poetry. So I love that. Well, we talked about the fact that you love to write for children. And so in today's society, there's a lot of different things pulling children away from the gospel and away from a simpler lifestyle. Um, So give us some advice on how to encourage children to use their imagination and creativity and enjoy reading a book. Yeah. I can't speak from experience as a parent, um, but I can speak from experience as a child in my childhood experience, which has now spanned 33 years. <laughs> and in my 10 years of, of teaching children, I found that there is nothing that you can say to verbally teach kids that will be nearly so impactful as what you model and, and how you set an example for them. Um, you know, even God, who teaches us as his children how to be and what to do, didn't merely send us a textbook. Mm -hmm. He was incarnate in Jesus. He, in flesh and blood, gave us an example to follow and showed us how to be so so that we could follow in his footsteps. So kids, they really only learn to be creative and use their imaginations when the adults around them provide an atmosphere Mm -hmm. and an invitation to play. Uh, I love how Mr. Rogers put it. He said that play (laughs) is often talked about as if it were a relief from serious learning. But for children, play is serious learning. Play is really the work of childhood. Um, You know, I have a little buddy named Jameson who I play make-believe with all the times, and Mm. there is a limitless amount of creativity and imaginative energy that's unleashed whenever I engage with him on that level. I have another friend named Chris Wires who his children, he teaches them the Bible by having them act out the characters and get into the story. And they're some of the youngest kids in my class, but they know their Bibles probably better than most of the other kids in the church, not because it's been taught to their brains and communicated verbally, but it's in their bones, it's in their bodies. They've acted and played and imitated and imagined the stories, and that is so beautiful. So mm. parents, on behalf of kids, I'm here to tell you that fun is a much better teacher than just facts and words. Mm. Getting kids to you know, have an environment where play and imagination are safe and encouraged, and, and also um, you know, that adults are setting that example is so awesome for helping kids immerse immerse their lives Mm. and learning. Well, Christmas is full of lights and special activities, and yet the reason behind the celebration, the birth of Jesus, is many times lost. And so um, how can we recapture the magic of the season without losing the reason why we celebrate Christmas? That's a great question. you know, this might sound rather ridiculous to some people, uh, but I don't, I don't think the best way to get the most out of Christmas is to try to sprinkle it with magic, but is actually to steep our minds in the bright, unfathomable mystery of Christmas and deepen our understanding of the theology of Christmas. Mm. Now, that probably sounds counterintuitive, that really deep thinking and theology might actually lead to more joy in experiencing Christmas. But when we read what the Bible says about Christmas, it's staggering. Right. Most folks just speed read through it or skim right over all of that in preference for, you know, like you said, Christmas lights or candy canes and cocoa. And there's nothing wrong with those things. But I love Christmas so much because it is the point at which heaven permanently invaded earth. 
mm-hmm. and the two were reunited. Not perfectly and completely, you know, that comes at the end of time, but um, this was the meeting point. And the moment the Son of God was conceived in the virgin's womb, that's the point where God came with us. He became permanently part of the material universe. You know, I think of that feeling that comes over a crowd when the band uh, that they've all come to see steps on the stage and everyone just erupts in applause. Mm-hmm. That's the feeling I get when I think about Christmas because God himself stepped onto stage, center stage in human form. It's the greatest miracle of all time, the fullness of God, the eternal Son, sent by the Father through the life-giving power of the Holy Spirit, invading a virgin's microscopic egg and was content to be contained in a human embryo. That is powerful, but we don't think in those terms about Christmas. We just think, oh, it's beautiful and, Mm -hmm. you know, Jesus. But um, to recapture the magic of Christmas, rather than, again, sprinkling it with magic, I think we we need to be recaptured by the mystery and the unfathomable brightness of God invading Earth and changing, you know, the destiny of the entire cosmos. Well, I'm sure that adults will be reinvigorated by reading your storybook to those that cannot yet read, um, just because you have contained the the gospel within and some of the excitement that you just uh, talked about is all contained within the book, The Good News of Christmas, that was written by Rousseau Brasseur. And so, Rousseau, how can people find out more about this book and maybe even uh, the one you mentioned, The Pilgrim's Progress book? Oh, yeah. So, um, HarvestHouse.com has both of these books available. So does Amazon and local Christian bookstores are also carrying it. My cousin over in Idaho and even my buddy over in Australia said he found it on their bookshelves over there. So maybe support local business and check out your local Christian bookstores, see if they have it. And if not, online is also a good option. Wonderful. So one more time, the book we've talked about today is The Good News of Christmas, written by Rousseau Brasseur, and we certainly thank Harvest House Publishers for giving us a copy to talk about today. And Rousseau, it's been a real pleasure chatting with you about The Good News of Christmas. The pleasure's been all mine. Thank you so much again for having me on. And to our listeners, we do appreciate you tuning in. This is Roberta Foster on The Author's Corner. Join us again next time. <music> 